Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Most weight loss plans are one size fits all, not taking into account each person's individual needs. Noom takes into account dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs to build a plan that works for you. Everyone's journey is different. So your daily lessons are personalized to you and your goals. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your free trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Hi, hello, and welcome to another episode of The Dunker Spot. We are part of 342 Productions. I am your host, Nikaias Duncan, and joining me as always is my co-host, Steve Jones Jr. Steve, how are you doing, sir? Ah, feeling good, feeling great. Happy to be here. Excited to be here. Thank you, Dunkers, for once again embracing your bounce. Uh, YouTube, hi, hello. Uh, Thank you to the cutters and roamers out there for your support. Greatly appreciate it. Happy New Year to everyone. Whoop, yes. whoop, that resolution. Don't worry. If you didn't do it on the first, you can always do it on the second. But I wish you joy and happiness and prosperity uh, and know that you're valued and appreciated. And Nikias, what's I up? Mean, at least one of your football teams was able to beat the Cardinals <laughs> to close the year out. But it's time to hoop it up. Gosh darn it. That is a good bit. Uh, yes. Happy New Year to all of you. And Happy New Year to everyone except the uh, Philadelphia Football Eagles because y'all got some stuff to sort out. I mean, if y'all to get that together. Uh, as Steve said, January 1st can be your free space for your year-long bingo cards. If you didn't get it right today, do it again in 24. And a special thank y'all as we are now at the midway point of our first full season underneath the network. Y'all have been great. Uh, we're getting less of the Conor McGregor gifts in the comment section when videos drop on the channel every Tuesday. So appreciate y'all for that. Uh, we're having fun. We are going to continue Who's to rock guy? it out. Ah, that's a good shot. That's a good shot. Uh, but no, we really appreciate y'all. We're going to continue to rock this thing out, continue to talk some hoops and have fun while doing it. Buddy, we had a trade on Saturday. Guess we get to segue there. We had some news over the weekend before the New Year got out. The Raptors and the Knicks... In the midst of a lawsuit, and also both teams played on Saturday, they agreed to a pretty big trade. OG Ananobi, Precious Achua, Malachi Flynn, you are members of the New York Knicks. RJ Baird and Emmanuel Quickly, and a 2024 second-round pick from Detroit, which at this point would just be, I think, the 31st pick in the draft. So essentially a late first, but very early second-round pick. You are, or have been, acquired by the Toronto Raptors. Didn't see this move coming, period. And I definitely didn't see it coming on like a a Saturday morning. So aside from the initial shock for me, I'm intrigued by this one. I like what both sides did. And I think this very much feels like a move that sets up another move on both sides. But obviously, we'll dig a little bit deeper into the deal. Steve, what were some of your initial thoughts on this trade? Uh, I was shocked when I got the notification. Was not prepared. 
She's about to watch some Oklahoma City, Denver. And then I was like, wait, what? Emmanuel Quickly is a Raptor. OG is a Nick. The Raptors finally did it. The Knicks finally did it. It's very funny that they traded with each other, considering, you know, circumstances. But I'm happy they did. My mind went to OG Ananobi first. And just what he's going to give to that Knicks lineup. I think he's going to boost up that starting lineup defensively. I think everyone would agree on that. He can guard one through five. That helps the Knicks in theory, because if you look at a lot of the Knicks recent games, it's Julius Randle guarding Paolo. It's Julius Randle guarding Giannis. It's Julius Randle guarding Kevin Durant. This is no disrespect to Julius Randle, but now you can throw OG at those guys. That's a plus. I do wonder, this is where my brain went first, does the defensive context of New York, of Coach Tibbs, help OG's defense pop even more? Where he is someone that they've needed. They've needed that type of defender specifically. So does his ability to navigate screens and recover in pick and roll take pressure off the Knicks, who tend to like to run drop defense? You know, OG is very good at staying attached, very good at contesting. Does that help them there? Uh, How much does his activity off ball and his ability to deny his man the ball help their defense? Does he make them more switchable to a degree? Can he help them with their weak side rotation, something that they've struggled with over the course of this season? So I think the one, one-on-one stuff is going to carry over automatically or instantly. You'll be able to see that pop. But can he now lift their defense as a whole? So that's where my mind went first. There's also a world where I point to smaller lineups that could be fun, but it's very clear uh, that Tibbs has confirmed that Randall at the five is his ick, and I, I can't keep tapping that sign if every time he does it, he looks like he doesn't want to do it and is immediately mad that he did it. Yeah, I just, you know, if you think about potential New York Knicks, New York uh, New Year resolutions, like that was one that I wanted to add. That's one I wrote down in my notes. And I was like, you know what? Let me make sure that's number two or number three of Knicks thoughts because Tibbs just doesn't want to do it. And so it's going to feel like a waste of breath to say, hey, maybe I should tap into this more. You got OG. Uh, We will see. I'll continue to clamor for it, but I also kind of recognize that that's just not what he wants to do. To the defense point, though, I'm glad that you brought up him taking pressure off of everyone else because this is a Knicks team, as you mentioned, likes to play and drop, but also likes to pre-rotate pretty early. They want to have that help peeled in. They want to be active. They want to have that very active presence there. If OG can navigate, that makes life a little bit easier for everyone. And this Knicks defense has been, funny enough, like the underwhelming portion of the team this year. The offense has been good. The defense kind of lagging behind. Then you throw in the Mitchell Robinson injuries. Like, okay, how do we compensate for all this? OG Ananobi is one heck of an option to be a solution here. So I'm intrigued to see what that looks like. Uh, While we're on OG, I'm curious to see what the offensive usage is going to be like for him. Because so much of the rumbling around OG before he was moved or he, he doesn't really love the role like that. He feels like he wants to be able to do more. He wants to be able to explore. I don't know if New York is the avenue for him to get a lot more touches or a lot more on-ball usage. So I'm curious to see how he deals with that. I will say, depending on what the Knicks do after this, if there is another trade before February, I don't think it's going to be like a big boom, get a star here. But if they do add some more shot creation, or if they don't do that, do we see OG with the second unit? And maybe that is his exploration period per se and one will that go well and two will that appease him enough to where it does become an issue because i think i saw you know some quotes coming out from some of the oppressors as 
the Raptors guys were introduced, OGs introduced, and someone asked about his free agency. And he was like, I'm just taking it day by day. I let my agent handle that. One of the quiet risks of this deal is that OG has the player option that he is absolutely going to decline. And so if he wants, he can get more money from New York naturally. And I believe you don't make this deal unless you feel pretty good about bringing him back. But the option does exist that he go elsewhere. And so that's still going to be an interesting line to toe if you're the Knicks to make sure he helps you, but also that he is comfortable with what he's being asked to do and what kind of responsibility that he has. So that's something I'm going to be keeping an eye on as well, because he is someone that can knock down shots. The shooting is obviously going to be important. The driving has felt up and down throughout his career. He can attack closeouts in pure isolations, like the balance can get a little bit wonky for him. And that's probably been part of the reason why he doesn't get the on-ball uses that he may want. And so that's going to be an interesting, like, seesaw to watch. As a member of the Knicks. Uh, no, no, I hear you. I'm glad we talked about that because offensively, that was one of the things that I was wondering because I think there's a balance there. Based on his experience in Toronto, you mentioned he may not like that role. He may not have loved that role. But he has shown he can play off other players. And he should be able to play off both Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle. Now, what is the difference going to be with the opportunities does he get more opportunities because of the help teams may or may not show against Brunson and Randall? How is he going to be involved is key. Uh, I think, obviously, his shooting is a boost. It stayed consistent. It's going to be tested in New York. I mean, it's nice to be 37% or better uh, in three, uh, you know, three, three or four last five years with volume. There's only two Knicks with over 5.5 attempts per game. Shooting him better than that, that's Dante and Jalen Brunson. He's 38.8% on catch-and-shoot threes. RJ was at 35, so that's a boost. I think, do we tap into OG getting to different levels? Because lowest of keys, it's low volume. I know you don't like that. 51% on pull-up twos. So, is he now going to be able to drive some closeouts? Is he going to be able to get some more handoff opportunities? He's at 72.9% in the restricted area. So, he's finishing. Does that add a different element for the Knicks? Can they develop him into a multi-level scorer to a degree? Now, it is interesting. I know everyone's going to talk about shooting and spacing, and you did this and you did that. OG's at 32.3% on above the break threes, and RJ was at 30.4%. So, I mean, stay home, see, stay home, sa. Where I'm really intrigued is kind of tapping into what you said. What does this different offensive context do for OG? How much more room is there for him to grow? Your second unit point was was really good. My only problem is what is the Knicks' current second unit? Because Hartenstein is kind of tied to the first unit to a degree, mm-hmm. or in theory could be, and there's a world where you can see OG having more room to cut and get more handoffs and staying involved. We've seen what that does for Quentin Grimes when he moved to playing with Hartenstein with the second unit. We've seen that there's there's obviously going to be more opportunity with that unit. So can they balance that out to have Hartenstein play with them? And now you are, have that same pace, that tempo. Now OG has more opportunity to go. Do we see more cutting from OG Anunoby? Does he get more pick and roll or handoff reps? Does he get more of like the Tobias Harris-esque post-ups? Will he be a screener for Jalen Brunson? Like how will he be used uh, in that direction? Yeah, I was just going to quickly jump in as you brought up the pick and roll point. I'm really curious about the pick and roll usage both ways with OG. Because, again, like you mentioned, the pull-up two growth. I want to see what it looks like with more volume. But he is someone that has gotten more comfortable over the last two or three years, getting his footwork together inside the arc and flowing into those pull-ups against unders or if he's just seeing drop coverage. 
and he's looked more comfortable doing that. OG as a screener, I wonder how much they tap into it. Because in terms of just the screening portion, he's really good at it. He's also very strong. And you mentioned the finishing ability. If he's able to get the ball on the move and it's one dribble gather and then put his shoulder into someone's chest, or he doesn't have to worry about navigating help and then spinning off and then trying to regain his balance and all the good stuff, like he can finish at the basket. So I do want to see how much we see of the Jalen Brunson, OG Ananobi partnership in terms of just the offenses in general. New York is a lot more pick and roll heavy than Toronto is. And I think a lot of that is naturally personnel. Toronto's seen a bunch of unders, a bunch of switches, the shooting slash spacing issues, et cetera. Uh, just looking at it very quickly at second spectrum, in terms of pick and rolls ran per 100 possessions, New York is fourth, Toronto 17th. So even if it's not going to be an emphasis of we want to use OG this way, just by virtue of how New York runs their offense, you may see more of those opportunities. And if you're able to get him different looks in that way, it may not look like OG you know, 60 touches a game, 25 usage, et cetera. You can just kind of sprinkle it in the flow. Okay, you're spotting up here. You're attacking this close out here. You can bring this up and flow into something here. Here's a quick second side screen that you can flow into. Now you get a downhill rep. And so it may not be force fed, but he may get to do more. And like to the broader point that I brought up a little bit earlier, maybe that's how you appease him. Like, okay, I'm not going to be number one, number two option, but at least I'm not just standing in corner and then attack from there or spacing above wing and then attacking from there. I actually feel more involved in the offense. So I, I think there are avenues there. So I'm very intrigued to see what that looks like. He, he also has the archetype of the type of player that Tibbs tends to enjoy and allows, hey, you're doing really great defensively. Do some more of that offensive stuff. The wall dang Jimmy Butler, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm intrigued to see where that goes. The drives is what I'm keeping my eye on, as well as just the usage and how he gets used in different ways. And mainly not just for him. I think he's at 5.5 a game. Last time I checked uh, NBA.com, that's that's like half of a RJ Barrett. So does he get more volume in that area? And the Knicks are going to need that. But again, there's an opportunity for more usage to be soaked up. I know you don't like this comp, but I'm about to make it. Does he have that Jeremy Grant type leap in him? Where, oh, you can do all of that offensively. All right. Okay, bud. Here you go. For people who aren't long-term dunkers, Steve has been running the OG Jeremy Grant comp or archetype comp for a long time. And the longer this goes on, there's just another, okay, I see why he's saying this. You're right, though. I don't like it. Because <laughs> the direct player comp just kills me still. I'm just like, no, look at this defense, though. What about this? But yeah, I... I understand where you're coming from, at least. That's begrudgingly. Perfect. Thumbs up, I guess. Well, we had like the thumb here. So like it's up, but like it ain't, you know, it ain't all the way up. It's fine. Anyway, um, any other OG thoughts? Uh, that's the majority for me. We can talk Raptors here real quick. Uh, because okay. I feel like the uh Raptors are buzzing. Depending on how you feel, considering they made that trade and then also um lost to the Pistons. Yeah, congrats to the Detroit Pistons for breaking the streak, though it did get a little hazy in the final minute. It's like, wait, there's no way they're actually about to figuratively and literally throw this away as we got the trap with, what, like, 37, 38 seconds left. And they get a step. I was like, guys, no way. No way are you about to do this. But Raptors missing a lot of folks. Uh, heck of a game for Pascal Siakam in that one. Uh, Scotty Barnes eventually started playing well. A little bit of a quiet start for him. 
Congrats to the Pistons. While we're on the Raptors, though, because they did acquire Emmanuel quickly, who, you know, just judging my timeline, which is very Raptor fan heavy for whatever reason, they seem, it was like, oh, crap, we're going to miss OG because he's just a fan favorite. But then it's like, also, hey, there's a guard that can shoot off movement and he's fast and he can make plays and he can make defense. He can play defense and he can make shots off movement and more shots off movement and run pick and rolls and then take shots off movement. Are we sensing a theme here about what they are excited about when it comes to Emmanuel quickly? You know, I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm going to throw it right back to you. But in my mind, I was thinking of all these things. Okay, how can quickly affect the Raptors? This is going to be a plus. And I stopped. And I was like, oh, Raptor fans are just going to be happy. This man can pull up and hit threes and attacks in transition. Is that just yeah. the bit? <laughs> yeah. Like, I obviously, I don't think that's all that Emmanuel quickly can do. And we're going to dig into what aspects of his game should pop in Toronto. I'm very excited about the Emmanuel quickly scotty Barnes partnership. That should be fun. Just very quickly, if the Gary Trent Jr. Scotty Barnes dribble handoff partnership can be solid, and it was at like 1.13 points per possession last year, a bit of a slower start this year with the offense changing and stuff. But if those two can be an effective partnership, if you got Emmanuel quickly just bobbing or weaving behind Scotty Barnes, can if you duck under, he will pull up in your face. And even if you fight over, he can still pull up in your face. He's also a very willing cutter can read what his defender's doing and just kind of cut off of whoever the handoff hub is and get downhill that way. That's going to be very fun. And just the broader point for Emmanuel quickly, as he had, in my opinion, a six-man-of-the-year caliber season last year, and he's been playing well this year. Him getting to spread his wings in Toronto is exciting to me. Him just getting the ball more and having an opportunity to continue to grow as a pick-and-roll player. Because very early on in his career, it was clear to me, you know, we're talking year one, year two, Okay, he's guard size. He's very much an off-ball guard. He is someone that can attack and transition, but he needs a scrambled defense to puncture things. I don't trust, I don't really trust him making reads right now. And that's changed over the last season and a half to where he looks a lot more comfortable making decisions in pick and roll, in addition to just the athleticism, the pull-up shooting, transition play, et cetera. So him getting a unit should be fun. I think he's gonna flow well off of Scotty Barnes. He should play well off of Pascal Siakam, however long he's there, which I guess that's just going to be the cloud over the team now if we get into transaction talk with Toronto. But I'm excited about Emmanuel quickly in Toronto. I'm right there with you. I think he's the exact type of guard that the Raptors have needed since Fred VanVleet left. And this is no shade at Dennis Schroeder, but defenses are going to treat Dennis a certain way. That's part of the reason why Toronto made that lineup change to be like, hey, we need someone that is going, you're going to think about him. It's Gary Trent. Don't don't leave. You know, it's mm-hmm. going to be a drop and pick and roll. If you're space, we're going to let Barnes and Siakam operate. Okay, cool. We're going to help. Quickly has that ability to space the floor. He can shoot. Plays with pace and tempo, which I feel like is the underrated part for the Raptors. To be able to get out and run, to be able to get into a flow of something after transition stops, I think you can help one. them there. You can run... You can run him off different actions, so screens, handoffs. You mentioned the pairing with Scotty Barnes. That's something Toronto has tried to lean into more with movement. You know, So I'm intrigued not just with the Barnes duo, but him and Yaka Pertle. Does that re-unlock some of the handoff actions we've seen them try to run? Some of the pick-and-roll actions we've seen them have success with before to where, okay, now we can get this pocket pass. We can kind of unlock Jakob on the roll again. He can make some of those short-roll decisions again as opposed to everyone is sitting here waiting for you. 
Uh, yes, you may have a kick, but we are also okay with that kick. Does that help them scramble defenses more? Uh, I'm glad you mentioned Pascal. Obviously, Wayne's arms wildly. This could just be the beginning of the end or, hey, stick around until we can make that deal. But think about what Toronto has done before with Fred and Pascal using quickly as a screener for Scotty mm-hmm. Barnes, for Pascal Siakam, be able to flip things that way, put pressure on teams as far as, hey, we have this size. We don't, you don't want those guys to guard these two. And now quickly can pop. He can operate, scramble defenses that way. So I think that's huge. I, I think that's a really good move. I think it's a good context for him. Obviously, a, a threat and pick and roll when it comes to the pull-up. The R.J. Barrett portion. He's if it wasn't home. copyrighted, I'd just be like, I'm coming home. Oh, see, but I'm home. <laughs> <laughs> He's returning there to his residence. Like me. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> the neighbor has returned. Uh, what intrigues me about the R.J. Barrett portion, it stick with me, right? Because okay. I'm sure the easy thing is R.J. Barrett, the shooting. We can't space. Why he shoot like that? Hey, why you keep trying to score? I, I'll, I'll, I'll pause real quick. Because there's a world in the Kais where you could argue that R.J. Barrett's experience and ability to operate in pick and roll and dribble handoffs could be a plus for Toronto. Does he add the type of driving that they need? He's at, what, I think about 10 a, 10 a night. How much does that help Toronto to have someone else who can add, as you like to call, the vaunted rim pressure? Can he mix in some cuts to improve that as well? I looked it up real quick. Are you ready? What's up? These are not mind-blowing stats, but I found them, so I feel good about it. RJ, about (laughs) 3.4 possessions in pick and roll as the ball handler, 0.74 points per per possession. OG, 1.3 possessions, 0.33 points per possession. Seems to be a little different. Now, the flip side is OG had less handoffs, 0.7. He was like 1.11 uh, points per possession, and RJ's at like 0.84 on higher volume. So that could just be even, but you never know. I'm mm. intrigued by a lineup of, in theory, quickly, Barrett, Pascal, Barnes, Pirtle, that different things you can run, opens up the playbook a little bit. You have more versatility. More people can be involved. So you should be able to get some more side-to-side flow where one action flows into another action because we feel confident that everyone can kind of do stuff. Uh, you'll have mm-hmm. to blend everyone in, but I think it'll work. W- what do you think about the RJ portion? Or is he just, hey, that math, maths? Well, I don't think I don't think RJ is purely like salary. I don't think that portion's fair uh, to him. And the talent that he has and has been able to showcase, he needs to be more consistent, obviously. But between the talent and still how young he is, like I don't think it's fair to just put him squarely in the he made the trade work category. I will say, like, his short-term fit feels a little wonkier than Emmanuel Quickly's. Just because I agree. Like, I do think there is some credence to the shooting portion. I don't think that should just be, oh, it didn't work. Put the stamp on it. This is bad. I don't think that's fair. I will say, as you made the comparison of RJ being more comfortable running pick and roll, more comfortable coming off of handoffs, and can get downhill more. All three of those things are true. OG, I feel, was an easier guy to play off of those stars because he was someone you had to worry about when he was spaced. And RJ hasn't, even in the years, or, you know, second year of the league where he shot well, but even when he's had the stretches he's shot well, 
he hasn't garnered that kind of attention. And so I do think there's credence there. But I swing back to the other side because you mentioned this with Emmanuel quickly, and I think it pops with RJ as well. Like, just the general half-court tempo for Toronto should be better with these two in. Because I think there are, like, some catch-and-hold tendencies to both RJ and OG. But at least with RJ catching and holding, depending if he's catch, especially if he's catching on the right side of the floor, you can at least trust when he does drive, he will get all the way into the paint. And, like, that should add a different element to the offense. And then just the general pacing of their actions is something that we both talked about throughout the year. For me, it's like, okay, I'm pretty cool design-wise with what Toronto's trying to do. They just have some personnel limitations. And I think for you, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, for you, it was some of that, but also, why are y'all running it with this tempo if you're going to do this? You got to yeah. run this with some more oomph to maximize the fun stuff that you're trying to go. And adding quickly an RJ into the mix, it should help on both fronts to where if RJ is going to be your second side guy, you can trust second side is getting all the way to the paint and at least forcing that big to engage. And maybe that opens up another kick elsewhere. And it's an, it's an easier catch-and-shoot opportunity than what you were getting with OG. And Manuel quickly, again, he can just buzz around on and off the ball. They can just kind of pop in that way. And as you made the point earlier about just getting them into their offense earlier, being able to run a transition, Toronto number one in transition frequency this year. They're seventh in points per possession in transition. This is a team that is good when they are in the open floor. And you are adding two guys in RJ, who is a tank when he gets downhill, and Emmanuel quickly, who can get all the way downhill or can just stop and pop for pull-up threes. That should enhance that portion of it. And if you are selling to me, the transition should be even better. And you're now going to have some more urgency in the half court and where you may feel the drop off in shooting between OG and RJ Barrett. You make up some of that with Emmanuel quickly. And you also just have added variety with the pick and rolls and the handoffs. Again, I mentioned earlier, uh, Toronto, I think 17th in pick and rolls ran per 100 possessions this year per second spectrum while New York was four. If it goes from 17th to like 13th or 12th, that's not a huge bump, but you can at least do more things and you have more avenues to solve some of the half court woes that you have. I, I, I raised the brow with RJ. I think for me, it's going to be monitoring the shot. He's going to have to continue to limit the catch and hold sequences, catch and pass immediately or catch and drive immediately or catch and shoot immediately. Continue to work on that. And then defensively, which version of RJ Barrett are we going to get defensively? He has to be, he's not going to be OG, but he has to be closer to what we saw in year two, year one, year two. To where, okay, this guy is 6'5", 6'6", six, six, six. he is strong, he can defend twos, threes, and some fours. Maybe not an elite level, but at least you feel like, okay, I don't have to send a bunch of extra help towards him. Because he's going to navigate well enough, you're not going to bully him, he's going to contest without fouling. He has to get to that portion. And so that should make it easier for Toronto to land a base defensively. And that's something that you've talked about. The defense hasn't been up to snuff this year for them, based on what their personnel is. And if RJ... I think Emmanuel quickly is a really solid point of attack guard. And so I have to defend both guard positions. RJ Barrett has the physical capabilities and we have film on tape of him being a good multi-positional defender. He just has to be that. But if you're telling me you get adding two solid defenders in the room with room to grow, they're both young. Maybe the switching pops a little bit more. Maybe you can afford to be a little bit more aggressive or maybe you can, because you can drop it all the way back. Let's, let's dial this back. Let's go conservative because we trust Emmanuel quickly to navigate. We trust RJ Barrett to navigate and to reattach to his guy. Funnel that guy into Jakob He's on the floor. I like this for Toronto. This feels like a reasonable bet. 
And even if you're worried about the RJ contract moving forward, as the cap rises, and shout out Blake Murphy for writing uh, writing a piece about the financials of all the deals of these deals and stuff. Like the cap figure or percentage of the cap that RJ is going to be taken up is going to lower as the years goes on. And he's still, he's going to be what, 26, 27 at the end of his deal? It doesn't feel like something that will hurt you, even if he doesn't pop and break out and turn into all star RJ Barrett. If he's solid starter RJ Barrett, you feel good about it, or you should. Yeah, I think it's, I'm glad you mentioned the defense because the bit is it could just be, oh, they still can't guard. So this is fun, but also. Like, I just need them to find a focus there defensively. One thing you touched on was the quick decisions. And that made my mind just think for a second. Because there's a lot of things that could work for Toronto with this lineup right now. This could also get your turn, my turning very quickly. Mm-hmm. Very quickly. I no it. pun intended there. No no pun I, intended there, honestly. I'll take it back. If it's, if it's just going to be, you know, one action, swing, hold, and now the next person holds, the, the dynamic isn't going to work as well as it could. So, again, I'm very intrigued to see what they try to run, how they try and get it done. Uh, can I be respectfully messy for a second? Sure. Uh, is there a second-round pick joke to be made? Ah. Well, there could be. I'm not going to be the one to make it, but there could be. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> Hashtag How did you, uh, yeah. <laughs> I have a question for you as well. How did you feel about, I'm thinking, my mind's thinking about some of the chatter after the trade, where I think it's universally, hey, like I felt like there was a swarm of the Knicks should play Emmanuel quickly more. And then, oh, he's no longer a Nick. He's about to pop. Why did the Knicks do that? How did you feel about the timing for both of these teams with the parties involved? I felt like it was funny more than anything. It's like, oh, you want RJ, you want a man to quickly get 30 minutes? Fine. Turn on League Pass, bud. Get ready to learn the anthem, buddy. Um, so I thought that part was funny. But I mean, I guess there's also just a general conversation to be had about if guy in your building has this potential, has this talent, but you do not for a you do not foresee a path for him to get there is it better to get other things in the room or should you just prioritize? Okay, let's move some other stuff around to make sure we get the most out of this guy. Cause I think the writing on the wall, and for me, I think you just figured out what a man quickly. I think he's just that darn good. But mm-hmm. once they couldn't agree to the extension and there's been multiple reporting, a lot of reporting on that man quickly reportedly asked for around 25 mil a year. The Knicks want to be close to the 20 number, et cetera, et cetera. And now you're heading into a restricted free agent market where Not a ton of teams have cap space, but the young bad teams that do have cap space could also use a guard. And so that could just get funny with some of the negotiations. And so I could see where if the Knicks are, if they do land on, we can't give Emmanuel quickly 30 minutes a game. I also have access to PVP stats and see what the quickly plus Brunson minutes look like and how positive they are. And again, me and Nikaias think you should have just figured that out with Emmanuel quickly. And you play him and Brunson together because they're good, et cetera. But the Knicks were not on that side. If they felt like we're not going to get to 30 minutes a game with this dude, we're not going to turn the offense to this dude, we don't want to pay him, we don't want to give him 4-100 or 5-130 or whatever the case may be, I can understand them saying, okay, let's look at our 15th to 17th ranked as it fluctuates defense. Let's look at all these assignments that Julius Randle is starting to take on. Let's bolster our defense with OG Ananobi. Let's get another shot-creating guard in the building in Malachi Flynn. Let's see with, again, more pick and roll usage here than in Toronto. 
So let's see if this is a better scheme fit for him and the pull-up shooting pops. And we get some of the scoring edge there. And also, we're waiting on Jericho Sims to get back. Mitch Robinson's out for the year. We have Isaiah Hardenstein. We are asking Todd Gibson to do things. Let's just get Precious Achua in the room who has showcased, I can switch, I can drop, I can be at the level. Consistency is going to be the big thing for him defensively. But in terms of his ability and the flash that we've seen, he is someone that can operate in multiple schemes. To the transition point, he is someone that can grab and go. How often do you want him to do that? You want two possessions max. Because Buddy is not passing the basketball if he if he is pushing and going. But he is someone that can grab, dribble, and finish. We've seen the ability for him to knock down shots. Not just knock down shots, but knock down shots above the break. Let's take this. Let's get OG. Let's take these young flyers with reasonable cap holes we can bring them back and restrict the free agency. Let's do that versus we take Emmanuel quickly to restrict the free agency. Orlando throws for 120. And now we're stuck trying to work out a sign and trade. And we might get Gary Harris. No disrespect to Gary Harris. I can see how New York got there. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, Gary Harrison closed the YouTube browser. Man, I ain't wake up for this. <laughs> <laughs> new year, new no, me. Click. No, um, no, you're good. My my mind went to ceiling talk. You never want to just say, okay, I get why the Knicks did it. They didn't want to pay quickly. There's some room to understand maybe they could have made that work. Because the numbers will tell you Brunson and Quickly, great together. 121.2 offensive rating in 377 minutes. 109.7 defensive rating. My math ain't the best. That's like an 11.6 net rating. That's pretty darn good. I just wonder in the back of my head, how much did they believe? Whether it's quickly or RJ, how much did they believe? And did they feel like they had reached the ceiling of what they could achieve with Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle? Which I find to be curious because we have the intersection of, hey, we should have made this work with quickly. He's about to be a star in Toronto while also people are selling A1 or 1A hoodie sweatshirts. And in my brain, I'm like, hey, like, uh, hold on. Like, you know, pick, a, pick a path, fork in the road. Um, but there's, there's no doubt that Emmanuel quickly was a huge piece for the Knicks, huge for their bench. A lot of the pace and tempo that the Knicks second unit has showed that you've enjoyed, that I've enjoyed, a lot of that was because of quickly. And they're going mm -hmm. to miss that. They're going to miss what he can do usage-wise. They're going to miss that spark off the bench. The, oh, no, we haven't scored. We're down by 12. Can you please save us quick? I got you. Wow, we're back in it type of beat. But I think when you look at the moves to get Josh Hart, to get Dante, Quentin Grimes emerging, they kind of want like a specific skill set next to Brunson. I don't know if it's a size deal. I don't know if it's Tibbs didn't want two players that could get attacked in pick and roll late in games. I don't know if he didn't want to sacrifice what quickly meant to that second unit to put him in a position to start. And it feels like sometimes quickly would have it going. And then Tibbs would be like, Hey, we need stops. Come over here, bud. Like, I don't think that was ever <laughs> going to move. And so my mind went to, okay. Cause I was, I was looking at the Brunson quickly dad. I was like, that's cool. I went to four man lineups, the guys for the Knicks. Mm -hmm. I spent five minutes trying to click through pages. This year, <laughs> Julius Randle, Jalen Brunson, R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, 36 minutes together, over seven games. That's it. 136.4 offensive rating, 
101.4 defensive rating. But that's it. 36 minutes of those four playing on the floor at the same time. So whether you like it, agree with it, achieve it, for whatever reason, there was a lack of belief in those four together. Mm-hmm. And this, this move may be less about IQ and more about, okay, I don't know if RJ has another leap with these two. And because he's RJ, we're going to have to make sure that he's good. And so we can't necessarily hand him the second unit. He's still going to learn to play off these two. That hierarchy is not changing. So there's a world where quickly may have just been the cost of doing business. On top of everything you said about restricted free agency and not wanting to pay him. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But that's where my mind went. But I also went to that same side on Toronto. Did you have any thoughts on what I said? Sorry. I mean to move too fast. No, no, no. No. Like, I think that's fair. And again, like. If it is me running decisions, and again, I'm just I am I am man with microphone talking to y'all, so like I take that with a grain of salt. But like if it is me, I look at what a man quickly is on both ends of the ball. I look at those numbers that you cited and say 36 minutes with those four together, that's too, that's too small of a sample. I look at the broader, like just Brunson and quickly minutes, and I say, I want more of that. I want to give that burn until team gives me playoff level issues and say, y'all can't do this because of X, Y, Z. And then we pivot from there versus it feeling like it just kind of, oh, this is nice, but I don't think this fits the overall vision. So let's just chill on it versus fully exploring it. And so that's where I'm just like, ah, like I would have liked to have seen more. But I again, I'm with you. Like I can see how they got to that point. Go ahead. I had a question. Based okay. on what you just said, something unlocked in my brain and my ass. You the question, see how insane I sound. Is this because they played Cleveland in the playoffs and they took away Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland? Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) What if that happened to me? (laughs) Well, I'll tell you one thing. We're not doing that. (laughs) And now that just unlocks something for me because it's fun as, again, we did the award stuff last year. I think I had Emmanuel quickly as my sixth man of the year. Do you remember what Emmanuel quickly averaged in the playoffs um, last year? Uh, What was it? Uh, Nine points per game, 48% on twos, 24% from three uh, in 22 minutes. Shot 35% from the field overall. Again, me? (laughs) I would would just say, let's, let's let young guy get better. But... I can see how that might be also part of the, the calculus. Like, we given 26 a year, 27 a year to guy who may struggle in postseason? I don't know about that, Chief. But, yeah. Yeah. But again, like, I, I think it may have quick. No, I, th- I think that's fair. Like, this is, this is what it's for. Like, let's explore all these avenues. And then just very quickly back to the Malachi Flynn press the chua portion of it. I, I do just want to see how they want to pop. Also, while I'm on the Knicks bench, shout out Deuce McBride, who may have been the biggest winner in this deal, as he literally got paid, got the three-year, $13 million deal. Hey, didn't he, Didn't he? isn't the first year of that contract more than, like, the whole, entire last one was? He won. He won. It's I, just I him, Deuce. It, gosh, darn it. That's a good shot. That is a, you know what? <laughs> That's a good shot. But no, like I'm intrigued to see how much burn he gets now. I mean, with that contract, 
he's absolutely going to factor into the rotation until New York does something, unless or until New York does something else. Which quickly, I ask you on that front as we transition away from the trade, because I mentioned up top, for both sides, this feels like the move before the move. I think on Toronto's side, mm-hmm. it is going, that is, this is the precursor to, all right, let's resign Pascal Siakam. Even if it's to trade him in a year or two, let's resign him. Or we've traded OG, Pascal, you're next. But I think it is going to, this is the precursor to something with Pascal Siakam. On the Knicks side, you look at who they brought in with OG. You got the two young flyers off the bench. They sent the Detroit second round pick. All of those future first round picks are still in tow. I do think at some point they are going to make a swing. I'm curious to see if they pull a more moderate swing. My first thought, and I brought this up in the watch party Saturday. My first thought, I am calling Charlotte. Mm. How much do you like Terry Rozier? Mm. My other thought was like, how much do you like Gordon Hayward? Because I think he would be a really good fit there. But the salary just gets wonky since he's last year of his deal, but it's over 30 mil. And it would have to be, I would imagine for New York, it is Evan Fournier plus future first or future first protected, all that good stuff, because he's the big salary slot. But to get to Gordon Hayward, it would have to be like Fournier plus Josh Hart or Fournier plus someone else making over 10. And I don't think they want to disrupt that. So Gordon Hayward's probably for, further far-fetched, unless it turns into a three-team deal and you move hard elsewhere, but you get something else to replace what he does. Um, but like I call Charlotte and say, hey, what do you want for Terry Rozier? But even then, it goes back to the Manuel Quigley conversation, right? Where it's like, well, if you are worried about playoff size, like I think Rozier is a better scorer than Quickly, at least right now. But Terry Rozier, what, 6'1? 6'2 on a good day? He's smaller than Quickly. So like maybe that just puts you back in the same loop. But that was my initial thought. Um, do you see New York swinging for some level of shot creation? Or do you think they just give a run with this group and make something happen in the offseason? Uh, I do think Fournier plus something could be the move if it becomes available. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, I feel like they may stick around with what they've got to a degree. Um, obviously, you got to make sure you do enough to keep OG. So that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I think honestly, the fact that they added Malachi Flynn and Precious Achua and Deuce McBride has more opportunities is where I'm intrigued. I think they probably would want to see what that looks like first uh, before they make another swing. I will say those two guys in particular feel like Tibbs guys. I have no statistical data to back that up. It is literally a gut feeling. Uh, so you can yell at me in the comments if you'd like. But if there's any two players that needed a different role, a different context, a different everything, a different opportunity, it might be those two. You mentioned the things that Precious could do. Hey, does Precious get minutes at the five? Does Taj Gibson dap him up immediately? <laughs> Appreciate you, big dog. I'm going to teach you everything <laughs> I know, big dog. <laughs> big dog. <laughs> uh, does his potential... Uh, Taj Wilbon, my neighbor. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you said <laughs> I'm glad you said this. <laughs> does his potential pop more in the New York? Does he actually get to be a roller again? Like, does Malachi Flynn get the opportunity? Unless, I mean, look, I look. You see Deuce McBride in that Knicks-Indiana game? That man was ready to, that man was ready to hoop it up. So, Malachi, you better be ready. But I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. I did want to go back to Toronto. Okay. Because I also know conversations about the return for OG and how many picks you could have gotten. And I think they believed in OG. 
I think for me, it goes back to the ceiling talk. What more was he going to do with that group, particularly? Mm-hmm. I know Nikias has yelled at me for this, and I will grace it to all of you audio and visual listeners. I feel like Scotty Barnes took the lead the OG was supposed to take, at least from a usage perspective. Mm-hmm. He, he rose. All right, hey, you do more stuff with the ball. Oh, yeah, we got to make sure Pascal's good. OG, use space. <laughs> and like that was that was the bit. And it was like, well, huh, we're bumping our, our head on the ceiling here, aren't we? So mm-hmm. actually, I'll turn that into a free throw. Okay. What's going to end up being louder? The why did the Knicks trade Emmanuel quickly? He's a star. Or why didn't Toronto trade OG Ananobi earlier? <laughs> I think the answer is yes, firmly. Um, but no, this feels like mm, this feels like the former for me. Cause I think even with the OG thing, you still essentially got like late first, super early second, plus Emmanuel quickly, who may be the guard you need, plus RJ home to you know, hometown hero, et cetera, but also has two-way potential and is a solid starter. So, like, even if you feel like you could have got more, like, I think back to the reporting over the offseason where I think it was Memphis. Like, yeah, we here's all the, here are all these first and whatever the salary was going to be. Like, I think you would look at that and be like, ooh, that may be intriguing. But if these are all, like, super protected first that roll over into future seconds, then how real are those first? And if it was those first plus just salary versus a legitimate, this guy has upside type talent, I can see where Toronto's like, this looks better than what it actually is. And this, you know, put the heat back, heat hat back on for a minute. Like this reminds me of that 2020, I think it was a 2021 uh, heat first or 2019 first one or whatever it was. And it was the best asset in basketball. And by the time that pick conveyed, Miami was back in the finals again. It's like, huh. What happens to that first? That's pretty interesting. <laughs> so, like, those things can fluctuate very quickly. Um, but, yeah, that, that's all I have on that. So, so I need to prepare for Nick fans to uh, be in my mentions, like Sixer fans are, whenever Isaiah Joe does anything. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, shout out six man of the year candidate Isaiah Joe. Okay. Uh, any closing thoughts on the trade before we move? Yeah, let's just move. Let's move. I, I caught that. We, we, we good. We're, we're, we're good, bud. You know, moderate, moderate list. You know, he ain't in the top three. He, you know, be in the discussion with what he's done. On. Anyway, um, let's get into, very quickly, some New Year's resolutions. Steven, I thought it was going to be a good idea. Like, hey, let's do 24 resolutions heading into 2024, uh, 12 from each conference, et cetera. So we'll try to breeze through these since we just spent like 45 minutes on Knicks Raptors. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, let's start out east since we're already oh. out east. Go ahead. Wait, time out. Before you start, if you are watching this on YouTube and you are a cutter or a roamer for the dunker spot, I want you to comment a New Year's resolution you have for your team. And maybe, just maybe, if insert number here uh, and you smash that like button, we will react to them. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I like it. I like it. How do it's I do? hashtag dunker engagement. Yeah. We're driving to the basket. We're trying to draw the big so we can lay down that pass to the dunker spot and you get an easy one. We like that. We like that. So yeah, leave your leave your team's New Year's resolutions in the comment section. Let's hang out east since we're already here. We'll start with Boston. Let's go down the standings. Uh, I think general format, we're going to go through all 10 of the play-in slash playoff teams. And then just dealer's choice for two from the bottom. So that'll get mm. us to the 12 per conference. So out east, I'll start very quickly with Boston. Jason Tatum, my brother in hoop. Mm. MVP caliber talent, all NBA talent. You've been to the finals. You're one of the best players on the planet. These pull-up threes are driving me insane with Jason Tatum. I'm just going to be honest. And it's so funny that I've transitioned to when is Jason Tatum going to develop a floater or when is he going to develop more comfort as a driver to now he's just one of the best drivers in basketball and the floater feels better. And now it is just the pull-up threes where it's just like, brother, you didn't have to take that one. This should be your knockout punch, not your diet. What do you think Jason Tatum shooting from three overall over the last three years? I'm going to let you tell me. Okay. It's like, oh, no, I'm going to let you cook. 35.1% from three over the last three years. Like, it gave me, like, funny enough, I guess the it's the the area connection. But, like, it gave me, like, Bradley Bill vibes where he's like, you know he can shoot. And then you go to basketball reference, like, huh, mid-30s. That's interesting. I wonder why that is. And then you go to the spot-up slash pull-up splits, and it's like, oh. <laughs> so, last three years for Jason Tatum. On care to shoot threes. 38%. 40.5% this year, he's shooting nearly 44% on catch and shoot threes. Elite. On pull-ups over the last three years, 33.4%, 29.1%, 29.7% this year on 5.8 attempts. It is 5.8 pull-up three attempts to 2.6 catch and shoot attempts for Jason Tatum. There is so much talent in this offense and so many guys that can puncture the paint, which can force the defense to rotate, which should lead to catch and shoot opportunities for Jason Tatum. Let's let's get that in order. Or also, Jason, when you have the ball at the top of the key against a matchup you like with the spacing that you have around you, put your head down. You have been one of the best drivers in basketball this season. Let's let's find a better balance with that shot. That is my resolution for Boston and for Tatum in particular. Steve, what do you have for Boston? Uh, just a quick mention. If you are a Celtics fan and you are listening or watching, this is almost an annual tradition at this point. And ten, things tend to turn around for Jason Tatum after Nikai hits his butt. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so you're welcome, actually. <laughs> when he shoots 40% on pull-up threes over the next three months, you are welcome. But he's uh, so good. Man. He's so good. Uh, my only New Year's resolution for the Boston Celtics, please, please, please commit to playing with pace and tempo consistently. I beg of you, just try and avoid the nights where everything is one pass, one shot, quick shot, no movement. You got your way out of it against the Pistons. But honestly, it should have been y'all. I ain't gonna hold you. <laughs> <laughs> y'all did all the bad Celtics thing in that first half. 
eight seconds to get into a set, four seconds to get to the second option. Ah, ah, ah. No, we don't have to do that every time. <laughs> Mix it in, but nah. That starting lineup is very, very good, Nikias. You have once again shown the defensive buttons that you can't hit when you choose with your bigs unknown shooters and the activity with your guards and your size and your length. Just clean this part up. It will help you now. It will help you later. It will help you in clutch scenarios. Everyone's going to talk about the jump shooting team and the amount of threes. Dog, just pay attention. When they walk the ball up and start the set with 12 on the clock, go ahead and just darn it. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. And again, to clarify, like this is very much on the Tatum front. Very much the pull-up slash side steps. I'm not even saying Jason Tatum shoot fewer threes. Because he is in, he is a very, very, very good shooter. It's just the type of threes and when he's taking them. That's it. Uh, anyway, we'll move on down to Milwaukee. For me, add a point of attack defender. I beg of you. Oh. This is unfair to Malik Beasley to ask him to defend the dudes that he is being asked to defend this year. As much as I love Andre Jackson, as high as I am on Marjan Bochamp, both of those guys long-term, I don't think they're ready for this, particularly in the playoff setting, which is what matters to you since you have Dame and Giannis until. And frankly, your perimeter defense should not miss Jay Crowder this much. It just shouldn't. Make a deal for someone at the point of attack. Call as Brooklyn is trying to figure out how many minutes their starters are going to play. That's a whole other thing. Pick up the phone, ask about Dennis Smith Jr., See what it takes. Or just canvas the league for someone that can defend guards. And go from there. Take, relieve some pressure off of some of these guys that are being tasked with doing things that they shouldn't be tasked with doing. That's all I have on the Milwaukee front. You got, you got a month before the trade deadline. Get somebody in the building. Can I bounce off that real quick? Yeah. So, I mean, if the trade-off for Malik Beasley having to do a lot defensively is him shooting 46% from three, do you just stick with that bit? <sighs> But, like, if we 2K this, right, what if you add? (laughs) What if you add someone? Mm. And so now, instead of his stamina being at, like, 73 at the end of the first quarter, it's at, like, 81. And then you activate Green Machine, and now he's shooting 51% from three. And now Milwaukee's the best offense in NBA history. I I got you. I I was going to say, they got got Jay Crowder and Marjan at home. Just saying. Uh, Mine was just going to be keep building. Keep going. Keep going. You're 24 and 8. You're two games out of the one seed in the East. And that's what some feel is uneven play. Keep going. Nikias, they're 20 and 3 when Damian Lillard scores 20 or more points. That seems good. They got Chris Middleton with two straight games of 10 plus assists. For the first time since insert time a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take that, Elias Sports Bureau. Hey, keep building. Keep keep working to find your best lineups, your combinations. Keep trusting in the different defensive schemes. I know everyone's probably going to, hey, hey, Dame Giannis, pick and roll. Do it now. Do it now. Wait. Build the base outright. You can always mm-hmm. lean on that in the playoffs. Get everything else set. And then keep going. We like that. We like that. Let's move to Philadelphia, which I guess you could press the general please be healthy button, but like that's not a resolution. Like you can't just like make yourself healthy. So aside from that, I just want Tobias Harris to stabilize. Because I'm looking at the beginning of the year for him where he is shooting well from three and he's also getting these random post-ups and he's defending hard. And then you have this middle portion 
where he just can't hit shots at all. And it's like, well, why aren't we just playing Nicholas Batum and Robert Covington more since Tobias isn't doing anything? And it's like, well, that can't be the portion for your largest expiring and also third most important offensive player. That can't be the bit. And now he's shooting well again. So I just want steady Tobias Harris in calendar year 2024. Give a 17, shoot between 38 and 40% from three. Play solid defense between the three and the four spots. Prosper. Make quick decisions. Take open threes when you have them versus catch and hold. Prosper. Just want that for Tobias Harris. And then secondarily, Philadelphia does seem like a team that can make a swing, a moderate swing, I would call it. It's probably a moderately high swing. If Atlanta is actually serious about moving DeJounte Murray, like DeJounte as a DeAnthony Melton upgrade intrigues me. Mm. And you have the salary and picks to probably get that done. I would imagine Atlanta, just based on what the roster is and some of the moves that the ownership group has made over the last year and a half, they very much prioritize luxury tax savings and clearing the books. You could probably get away with expirings plus picks. Obviously, you can't just send like your worst experience, but like you could probably get away with salary relief plus picks to get DeJounte in the building if they're serious about it. So keep an eye on the radar, you know, keep that on the radar, but primarily it is get Tobias Harris to stabilize. Uh, I'll mix in a quick free throw because we're, we're going to be up against time. But okay. uh, power rank the importance of getting them going. Kelly Oubre or DeAnthony Melton? Um, oh, Lord. It's probably Oubre. Because, like, even if Melton doesn't have it going, at least you can bank in the defense. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which Oubre's been fine this year, honestly. But, but, yeah, you can at least bank in the plus defense for Melton when he didn't have a shot going. He shot well from three for most of the year. So, I'd say get Oubre going so you can have that added punch. Hey, Nikias, you ready for mine? What's up? Trust the process. Oh, my God. Thank you for listening to this episode of the. T- <laughs> oh, brother! All right, you're fourth. Hey, no, hold on, you're fourth no, in offensive okay. rating. No. You're fourth in deep. All right, never mind. Fine. Who's no, next? You, you can finish. You can finish. I just wasn't prepared for trust the process. Top four offensive rating, top four defensive rating, second in net rating. Joel B just averaged forty and twelve for a whole month. You got Maxi. You got size length buy-in. Trust it. Now, I mean, if DeJounte comes on the low, I, I understand. But other than that, <laughs> you're on the okay. right track. All right. I, I feel you. I feel you. Uh, let's go to Miami. For me, simply defend drives better. The defense has to get right. Steve, per second spectrum. How many teams do you think are doing a worse job at defending drives than the Miami Heat? A none, just based on the way you said it. The answer is zero. They are dead last. <laughs> roughly 1.1 points per possession on any trip featuring a drive. They are slightly behind the Washington Wizards and points per possession allowed on drives. You went from 18th to 30th in drive defense. And even 18th feels underwhelming for what is historically a very good Heat team under exposure. But like still... It can't be that. It can't be that. And, like, y'all can get into, like, the trade bag, but ultimately, you want better from Josh Richardson. You want better from Caleb Martin, as you know, he's worked his way back from injury, so you give a little bit of grace there. But you want better from those guys. You want better from Jimmy Butler, who normally does just the regular season maintenance, but you're also eyeing the miles on the body, et cetera. He is out once again with the foot injury. 
So you're monitoring the health of him. But, like, you need your wings to defend better. Just flat out. If we were projecting this Heat team forward as a team that can scare anyone and beat anyone in the Eastern Conference in a playoff series. It's, it's going to start with the defense. It is cool seeing what Tyler Hill's been able to do since he's been back offensively. It's been cool watching Bam on offense continue to grow. The Kyle Lowry season has been fun. Jaime Jaquez has put himself in rookie of the year discussions. Like, I think he's third right now, but he's played very well and above expectations for a lot of folks. It's cool. And it's nice to see the Heat are knocking down threes this year after just not doing that last year. But it's your ceiling starts with your defense. They have to be able to contain the ball better than they have this year. Your Miami thoughts. Uh, bouncing off you, because I knew my personnel here. Hey, that belly is okay. You got a gym membership. Just keep going. Just keep going. You're going to be in shape down the line. Just keep going. I know the defense hasn't been where you want it to be, but my indicator for Miami is, hey, how much zone are they playing? Oh, they're not leaning on it. So they're taking their lumps a little bit. Just keep going to the gym. Just keep going to the gym. You'll be all right. Bam was out for a nice little stretch of that. So, hey, Bam's back. Bam's very good defensively. That may help to a degree. You got Tyler Hero comfortable. You got Duncan Robinson making plays off the bounce over and over and over again. You got another leap from Bam also getting to the free throw line. Mm-hmm. You know, just go to the gym, get your defense right, work to keep the ball in front. And, and then, hey, look who showed up to the party. It's playoff Jimmy. Well, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to get that in order very quickly. Uh we'll we'll go rapid fire with these. Uh for Orlando, for me, it's finding your rhythm with Wendell Carter Jr. since he's been back. Just figure out what your synergy is with him at the five. I think skill-wise, he blends very nicely with the starting group. But just trying to figure out what the what the usage is gonna be like for him as he gets the defense, because his legs back under him defensively. Cause they did find a nice rhythm with Gogo while Wendell was out. So prioritize getting Wendell back in because he is gonna be your ceiling lifter. That's someone that can do all the hub things. Someone that can work in multiple coverages defensively. Someone that can also shoot the basketball, can drive from the five spot in a way that most fives can't. is going to unlock some things for a very paint-heavy, offensively anyway, a very paint-heavy uh, Orlando Magic team. Get Wendell right so you can actually make some noise in the playoffs. Uh, just be decisive against switches, please. Defense gotcha. is strong. Paolo and Franz, playmakers. Your lineups have embraced that. Uh, you got to keep the ball moving. Keep your tempo up. Understand that this switching is a compliment to what you've done. You now need to conquer this to hit the next level. There we go. All right. Uh, with Cleveland, please get healthy. And secondarily, uh, continue leaning into Craig Porter Jr. That is one fun guard. It is nice watching him operate inside the arc. Nice watching him operate in pick and roll, period. Uh, I think we recently got a – it wasn't a mailback question. I think it was just a comment in the watch party we are watching the Cavs. And they're asking about, like, the turnaround jumper that Craig Porter Jr. is starting to display. It's like, okay, I, I like some of these post turnarounds. This is neat. Continue to lean into him. He's, he just seems good. And just having that added guard depth is going to be important with, again, Darius Garland out right now. Donovan Mitchell has missed time earlier in the year. You got to keep eyes on him, especially as he takes on a higher usage with these guys out. Karis LeVert has had his own health issues throughout his career. So having someone like Craig Porter Jr. that can fill in and also just play along with some of those guys seems very valuable. Uh, anything for you with Cleveland? Uh, embrace the opportunity. Chance to get right. Force yourself to defend. You got to move the ball offensively. Guys got to elevate into a role they can still do when everyone gets back healthy. Jared Allen got to be aggressive. There's a chance for you. Okay. All right. As we get into the play-in portion, simple for me. Indiana, do something about the defense. It could be as big as trade for Pascal Siakam since you're one of the teams that's linked to him. You get some more size at the four spot. 
get some range there to help Miles Turner out, who hasn't had the best defensive season. At worst, if you're going to take your lumps and be bad anyway, just accelerate the learning curve for Jairus then and let him fly around with the big club. Let him take his lumps now. If the defense is just going to be bad and you're not going to make a trade, the young four that you drafted in the lottery that projects to be a very versatile and effective defender, let him take his lumps. Let's accelerate the learning curve. It's got to be one of the two, though. Make a move or give give him reps. Your indie thoughts. Oh, oh, we're, we're locked in together. I was going to say, just make sure you bring your defense in the car with you. You know you got stomach issues, so just, just make sure you bring that with you. <laughs> there we go. Uh, I have two for the Knicks. I already talked about, like, maybe they can make a swing. That's why I asked you about, like, Terry Rozier and stuff like that. Beyond that, I want to see more aggression from Quentin Grimes. Uh, very quickly, uh, nearly six drives per 100 possessions last year. He's at 2.7 this year for 100 possessions, which, again, that doesn't factor into you go per possession, so you don't factor in, like, less minutes and stuff like that. He was very good against closeouts last year. There just has to be a to your quick decision point, catch and fire, catch and drive, catch and move it for Quentin Grimes. You do that, you bring the defense back to the party. Like, I think he's going to have a fun time with this new iteration of the Knicks. Uh, he just needs to get tied back to Hartenstein again, honestly. That was his best stretch <laughs> of the season uh, when he stopped just taking threes next to the starters. So we'll see if maybe that balance can help him out a little bit. Uh, don't be afraid to try Julius Randle at the five, please. Thank you. <laughs> there we go. Okay, I got you. Uh, while we're in New York, we'll go to Brooklyn very quickly. Uh, for me, like, one, figure out who you're playing. But beyond that, uh, figure out what your base is defensively. Like, this was a high-switch team last year, moderate drop rate last year. This year, they're basically even in terms of how often they're dropping, how often they're switching, and the defense is 23rd uh, as of recording. In addition to just the general injuries and stuff, like, figure out what you want to do and kind of go from there. I, I would like to... It's so weird that the offense has been so much better than the defense compared, you know, based on what their personnel is. Your Nets thoughts. Uh, can we get a playmaker in the room, please? Uh, Royce O'Neal should not be the third best playmaker on this roster. No no disrespect. No apologies. Uh, yeah, that's, that's about it. Who's going to open things up for you? Can we create some more offense uh, outside of Spencer Dinwiddie driving kicks? Got you. And I'll say very quickly on the Brooklyn front before we move, like preseason, I was like, who? Who's going to be the backup center for this group? Who's going to emerge? Shout out to the Dayron Sharp minutes. Also, nice to just see Harry Giles back out there. But, like, seriously, shout out to Dayron Sharp and what he's been able to put together this year. Um, to Chicago, the last play-in team in the East right now. Uh, I have continued leaning, continue to lean into Kobe White, a.k.a. go ahead and make that Levine trade if you need to. Just let continue to let Kobe cook. He needs to figure out the inside the arc stuff. It's weird that he's been shooting the leather off the ball and now the finishing has gone backwards again. But we'll we'll see what happens there. And just related to that note, uh, when Kobe White, Alex Caruso, DeMar DeRozan, Pat Williams, Nikola Vucevic on the floor together, a plus 7.2 net rating in 121 minutes. I would like to see more of that in 2024. Like, that seems good. We should continue to see that unit. That's what I got on Chicago. What say you good, sir? Uh, make the deal. Ah, I see. Let's see, make the uh, We got dealer's choice in the you know outside of the playoff slash play in picture for me. Fitting that I bring up Atlanta since on the old man three things episode with uh, JJ Reddick, I had a bold prediction with the Atlanta Hawks. I would just say continue to lean into all things Jalen Johnson. That man is very good at basketball, and I think he's going to continue to grow as a basketball player on both ends. Play him, keep him and Trey tethered together. That partnership is already very good and growing together. So I would like to see more of the Trey Jalen. Just more Jalen, period, but definitely Trey and Jalen together. Um, and then very quickly with Washington, free DeLon Wright. I would like to see him on a good team. 
Um, also, just in general, tighten up the defense because I feel like they just oscillate between we doing this 2v2 guard your yard and we are sending literally all of the help at the same time. And I don't think either is particularly useful for them. Uh, what you got in the non-playoff slash play-in section? Uh, Detroit. Keep letting Cade and Jaden Ivy cook. Uh, Charlotte. Which direction are we going, buds? Hmm. Just pick a direction. Yeah, it might be time. Okay, I feel you. I feel you. All right, let's get to the West to close this thing out. We'll start with the playoff teams. The Minnesota Timberwolves, for me, with Anthony Edwards, it's just finding a better balance between the pull-ups that he's working to establish and the drives because he is a very forceful driver. And this isn't dissimilar to a conversation we had with, like, year two Ant to where he can get downhill almost whenever he wants to. But you do need the jumper to complement what he does as a driver. And just very quickly, career low, 18.7% of his shots are coming inside of three feet this year. Um, he's around 18 drives per 100 possession this year, up from 16. But, like, he's a guy that should just be in D20s. And, like, obviously the roster construction alters some of that or hinders some of that for him. But when he does get inside the arc, like, he can get some closer shots to go for himself. He's that kind of athlete. He's that kind of score. So just seeing that. But other than that, I have no notes. Like, the defense has been better. When he does get to the rim, he finishes at an elite rate. The playmaking's gotten better. He's gotten more comfortable with the re rate pull-up. He's very, very much coming along to turning into one of the best players in the league. Like, he's very, he's not far off from being, like, a top 15 guy. But I just want to see that progression in 2024. What say you with Minnesota? Don't go backwards. Anthony Edwards is making the playmaking stats. Cat's been very aggressive, attacking and driving against fours. Rudy has a renewed energy on both ends. Mike Conley's running the show. Keep answering the questions that you've answered. Don't feel like you have to bog down, or now you have to post Cat, or now Ant has the operating pick roll and you stand and watch. Don't overthink it. Just keep playing. Just keep playing. Keep playing your game. Keep running your, your lineups out there. Let it work. You've done a whole lot in this first part of the season. Don't go backwards. Okay. All right, let's move to the Thunder. Um, this is where I'm going to clamor for a trade. I don't think the Thunder need to make the big boom yet. Now, if Laurie Markkinen is actually available in earnest and like, sure, but I don't think they need to make the big, big swing yet. I do think they need to make a moderate swing up front. If it's not going to be Laurie, call Chicago, see what's up with Andre Drummond. Call Utah. If you're not going to get Laurie, see what it'll take to get Kelly Olynyk in the room. Call Detroit, see what's up with Isaiah Stewart. Get a big that can fit, that can function in what you want to do on both ends of the ball. Kelly Olynyk is going to be more of a shooting and the hub stuff. If you're worried about OKC shooting dropping off at all, Andre Drummond, one of the best rebounders on the planet, and OKC has not been a good rebounding team this year. Isaiah Stewart can absolutely garner some extra possessions for you. He has knocked down shots, uh, not definitely not a stretch four, but this may be an opportunity where he could actually play some backup five for you. So get a big if you're OKC. Wow, you're not what? into Kenrich and Jalen Williams at the five? You know how I feel about Kenrich. You know I like Jalen. But I'm thinking that this is a team that is going to just make the playoffs this year. So you want to have more options. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes. But let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. 
Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. When you choose Organic Valley, not only will you be enjoying great-tasting dairy, you'll help to save over 1,600 small organic family farms who are protecting over 400,000 acres of organic farmland and all the plants and animals that call it home. This is dairy you can feel good about. It's great-tasting, high-quality organic dairy ethically sourced from small organic family farms. To find Organic Valley Dairy near you, visit ov.coop. That's ov.coop. Well, it's interesting. Mine was just, you're on the right track. Keep going. <laughs> your, style, your style of play works. You're defensively, you're active. Chet's added a different dimension. Shea's playing at a high level. The drive and kick element with that ball movement puts so much pressure on defenses. I don't think you, I don't think you have to move, make a move right now. Okay. Just continue this as a year of discovery. All right, I got you. I got you. Uh, let's move to Denver. Uh, for me, I just want to see more from Zeke Naji. Like this seems like Final Frontier. We talked about this a little bit a while ago, where it's like this is going to be very much a prove it year for Denver's bench as it is younger. And I think Denver knows when they get to the playoffs. Okay, we can just go to Aaron Gordon at the five and shorten out the rotation there. But this is a prove it stretch for Zeke Naji. He's played in thirty three minutes over his last five games, which is not ideal. It's starting to go backwards. Rebounding has to pop. The screening has to continue to be better. He's shooting 36% for three. You know how many threes he's taken this year, Steve? As your stretch five? 11. Mm. Not enough volume. He's ever done 10 minutes a game this year. I want to see a real run from him to kick off January. Earn your minutes. Play them consistently. Give that impact on on both sides of the ball. I want to see more from Zeke. What do you have on Denver? Uh, Keep adding defensive versatility. And keep getting the young guys ready. Let's let's mix in more Jokic at the level. Jokic in drop. Jokic mixing in switches. Jokic guarding on shooters. Let's let's try a few things out in the regular season. So that way, in the postseason, you can dip into a couple of different bags, and these reps will pay off for the young dudes later. Got you, got you. With the Clippers, uh, priority number one is going to be to make sure Kawhi's good. He started the season playing every single game, and now he's had to stretch where he's missed a few. So it's like you don't want that to go backwards at all in twenty twenty four. So keep the maintenance on Kawhi. And then with this co-star, Paul George, let's see if we can work, even if it's, if it's a scheme tweak or if it's just a conversation on what Paul George needs to prioritize. Let's see if we can get Paul George downhill a little bit more in 2024. Uh, average shot distance for Paul George this year is around 17 feet. He's tied for the second, uh, second highest of his career. He's flirting with a career high in terms of shots, uh, percentage of shots inside of three feet. Only 13, 13.5% of his shots are coming at the rim this year. Uh, is at 13.1 in the 2016-2017 season. You want that up. It's also a career f- low in free throw rate for him. Not get to the line as often. So we know what Paul George can do as a spacer. We know he can do as a playmaker. If we can find some way to turn some of those pin, those pin downs into curls and getting all the way downhill, if you can scheme up some looks for him, go to some of your flex bag if you need to with Terrence Mann as a screener. Let's get him closer to the rim. Make it make life a little bit easier for him. Get him some easy ones. Uh, anything for you on the Clippers? Keep getting the best out of Kawhi, James Harden, and Paul George and start to prepare for teams to take things away from you and start <laughs> switching and putting guards on their your bigs and just get ready for that next frontier. Uh, a lot better feeling than 
when you were 0-5 at the start of the stretch. Got you. Uh, let's move to the Sacramento Kings. Uh, will the real Kevin Herter please stand up? Shot 31.6% from three in December. He's hovering around 35% from three this year. It's been very up and down for him. Uh, the Herter-Sabonis dribble handoff partnership remains the highest volume pairing in the NBA, and that efficiency has gone way down. Uh, only 0.92 points per possession. Uh, after they were well above 1.1 last year. A better Kevin Herter means a better Kings offense, which means it's terrifying for you based on what De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis and even Malik Monk and Keegan Murray starting to perk up. That offense is already very good. If Kevin Herter returns to form, I don't know what you do with it. So I would like to see better from Kevin Herter. Uh, defense. Can you answer some defense questions down the stretch? Is the activity going to pay off? Do you have some scheme versatility? Do you feel comfortable with Sabonis doing different things? Uh, do you feel like you have the lineups that are going to help you be active on ball? Uh, or is it just Keegan Murray, please? Yeah. I think the offense speaks for itself. Fox speaks for himself. Can you get the defense just to this level right here to raise everything up? Got you, got you. All right, to close out the playoff section with the Dallas Mavericks, can we get a non-Derek Lively big to pop in this group? Does Maxi Cleaver come back? Is it going to be, does he come back slash return to form? Is it just going to be Dwight Powell for like the 12th year in a row that just solved some of this? Do we get better from Rashawn Holmes? Do you need to make a move? I need to trust a big not named Derek Lively, which one is a testament to how good Derek Lively has been this year and the growing responsibility that he's getting. But also, the team just falls apart when he's not on the floor. And like that, should, that part shouldn't be the case. And so figure out something in the center, the true center room, I think, is my thing for Dallas. What say you? Uh, can we get some hierarchy with the people who do their job well but also only do their job? So we got Derrick Jones Jr., we got Dante Exum, we got Grant Williams, right? Like we got Josh Green. Like, can we get can we get them to pop? Can we, can we get Seth Curry to make some shots off the bench? Can we get Jaden Hardy to continue to move in the right direction? Can we pick a vision and feel comfortable with the people that are going to do what they need to do for Dallas? The, the role is simple. You know what it is. I just like to see more of it because if those guys take a step back, we have a different conversation with this Dallas Mavericks team. Correct. And the MVP conversation with Luka becomes even more hazy if that becomes the case through no fault of Luka, who has been incredible this year. But to the play-in section very quickly, uh, for New Orleans, I want to see a more vor a more forceful Zion Williamson. Um, the drives haven't popped the way they have. Uh, 1.01 points per possession on trips featuring a Zion drive this year per second spectrum. That is 53rd among 83 players with at least 200 drives. I, I want to see, he's a tank and a very athletic tank. And even if the pop isn't the same, like he's someone that can finish around the basket. You want to see some of the craft return. Just want to see a better version of Zion in 2024. And then secondarily, fouls down, threes up for Herb Jones. No notes otherwise, because I love Herb. What say you oh, on New Orleans? Keep the flow up. The Pelicans have won two games in a row where Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, and CJ McCollum all had 20-plus points, and they all had five or more assists. They're 3-0 and when all three score 20 or more in the same game. The problem is it's only happened three times this season. They're 14-4 and <laughs> when they have 25 or more assists. So let's uh, understand what's working and lean into that. Get healthy. Boom. There we go. Ah, with the Phoenix Suns, outside of pressing the get healthy button, because Lord knows, I just want to see the big three together. With Bill back, let's see if we can prioritize getting Kevin Durant and Devin Booker more catch-and-shoot opportunities. Let's get them more threes. Pretty simple for me. 
Like I have a whole thing on the defense, but like I think that's mostly going to come with health. So, what say you, good sir, on Phoenix? Health and let me see what it looks like with Beal, Durant, Booker, and Eric Gordon. That lineup is fun. It's a lot of firepower there. A lot of firepower there, indeed. Uh, to the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, everyone's favorite team. Um, I had to, like, I, you know, similar to the Tobias Harris thing. Can we get Torian Prince to stabilize? Because I was very excited about that signing because of the positional size defensively and how well he can shoot and the different ways that he can shoot. And it went from, cool, he's hitting all the shots, to, oh, no, Torian Prince is never going to make a shot again, to, hey, cool, he's making shots. I would like for him to stabilize. I think the lineup construction has become a lot easier to sort through if you can pencil him in as big wing that can shoot. Because if it ain't him, then you're, it, it gets kind of hazy with the wing room and trying to figure things out defensively. Uh, we'll add Torian Prince, 46% from three in the month of December, but it is a key point. Mine is, can you get Rui and Austin Reeves back? Can, can you get them back? Can you get them back to the level that they were playing at in the playoffs? Because that was really the vision for y'all. Uh, the starting lineup, I know it gets two thumbs down, but look at how Anthony Davis is playing. Look at the things Anthony Davis has to do with that lineup offensively. That is the direction. Now, if you just get Rui and or Austin Reeves back on track, I think the Lakers look different. All right, got you. Uh, last one in the play-in division, the Houston Rockets, for me, very simple. Play Tari Eason more. Continue to get that guy minutes. He is very good. Uh, so far, 11 games of 20-plus minutes. He's averaging 13-8 and eight and two steals while shooting 39% from three in those games. I want to see more Tari Eason. What say you with Houston? Uh, get Jalen Green more comfortable both on and off ball, running a couple extra sets for him to be able to get downhill and let him get some of those reads off ball. I also think, uh, hey, who is the playmaker outside of Shingun and Fred Van Vliet? Because if you don't address <laughs> that and you keep playing with that tempo, uh, get ready to learn game plan defense, buddy. <laughs> that is... <laughs> That's amazing. I... <laughs> I love every <laughs> get ready to learn what <laughs> I don't know why that tickled me. That's amazing. <laughs> oh Lord. That is amazing. That is amazing. Okay. Five, dealer's choice at the bottom of the barrel. Uh for me, I'm starting with the San Antonio Spurs. I want to see more Devin Vassell, Victor Wimbenyama two-man game. Um, only 108 pick and rolls for them this year, roughly 11 per 100 possessions. I feel like that's way too low, considering how important both of those guys are to the future of your franchise. Goes unsaid with how important Wimby is. And Devin Vassell, you just gave him the big bag, and I think he's very good, very versatile offensive weapon. Only 108 pick and rolls and 33 dribble handoffs. That's if my math is correct, it's 104 actions with those two together through like the first half-ish of the season. We need more of that. We need more of that. You need to see what that's going to look like. Um, and then for Portland, continue to lean into uh, Dwapri because that that is a very fun big man. Activity defensively, the guy can pop offensively and can genuinely shoot above the break. Also will crash the glass with reckless abandon when he is underneath the basket. Really, really, really good screener. I've written about him uh, during the screen time series with the 342 newsletter. Subscribe to that. A farewell to takes if you haven't done so already. Keep playing Dwapri. Also, the on-off numbers for him are just funny, but they're not worth studying because there's some funny like three-point shooting stuff in there. But like they have the Blazers have played well with him on the floor. So keep doing that. What you got? 
Uh, Memphis, can can we please win a home game, please? please. <laughs> <laughs> Would be helpful for your uh, playoff aspirations. Yeah, let's let's uh, let's try and turn that around. Portland, let's see how good Anthony Simons is. Let's just let's just see how good Anthony Simons is. You feel good about Shaden? Likely feel better about Scoot. Let's see how far Simons can take this thing uh, and what he can open up. Okay. Smooth with it, smooth with it. We are, what, an hour and 20 in, so we'll roll the, for, I guess, the early 2024 free throws into the next podcast. It's going to be audio only, so subscribe if you haven't already. But with that being said, thank you for listening to and or watching this episode of The Dunker Spot. If you haven't already, please subscribe to us. We are on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Podbean, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us. Naturally, if you are watching us on YouTube, we're on JJ Reddick's YouTube channel. If for some reason you haven't subscribed to the channel, do so. You're going to catch us every Tuesday. And in general, lots of fun, informative, just general great basketball talk on this channel throughout the week. So subscribe, 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 hit that like button, and then subscribe. Unsubscribe and then subscribe again. But, you know, just, just be here. It's good stuff. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Nikai's NBA. You can follow Steve on Twitter at Steve Jones 20. Join the Dunkers Mock community on Twitter if you haven't already. We're having fun discussions in there. But you, uh, you got to rock with us with the online Dunker Spot watch parties. If you have a League Pass subscription, you can watch games with us live. We are live reacting. We're breaking stuff down live. Steve has been killing it with breakdowns in the middle of, you know, in timeouts or commercial breaks. End of game stuff. Steve's telling us why this worked or why it didn't work and who deserves praise and who could have did something better. If you want to have fun while watching basketball and also learn while watching basketball, the Dunker Spot watch party is the place to be. The link is in the description. It should be hyperlinked. So if so, click on that, enter your information. It is free, no shenanigans. If it's not hyperlinked for whatever reason, just copy and paste it, put it in your browser. Once again, it is free, no shenanigans. And with that, we will catch y'all later in the week. Great episode, Nikaias. Happy uh, New Year to all the mothers out there. Get it. <laughs> hey, Prime members. You can listen to The Dunker Spot ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus and Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com slash survey. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Okay, so if you had a time machine, how far mm -hmm. in time would you need to go back to be a dominant basketball player of that era? <laughs> I need to go to when Bob Cousy was playing. Back I in, would, in the plumber days? 27-year-old Shea would give Bob Cousy the f***ing business. <laughs> He's not guarding me. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondering. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the best. Each week, Shay and I are combing through all of the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling ones, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. 
Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Six Trophies ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.